Hi, this is Films Remembered Badly. I'm Darren. Uh, Alex is on holiday again, so have a nice time, mate. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to try and think of a little episode to do. So, I came up with a few ideas. I think this one sounds quite interesting. It's called Trials and Tribulations. It's all the stuff that I've opted into that I don't feel have ever really worked out. But even though it's not worked out, doesn't mean that it's ever stopped me from progressing in life. So there might be some life lessons in there for you, hopefully. So I'll start off with high school, because I feel like that's when you first have to proper make your choices in life. Because they're always saying, like, you have to decide what to do, but there's loads of adults that don't know what they're doing, and they're still stuck in places they don't want to be. And that's at, like, what, 14, 15, where you have to start making these extra choices in school of where you want to put your life. But in the same idea, you're not treated as an adult. So how can you make adult decisions without having adult choices? That's something that's never really made sense to me. So I can't remember all of it because I've got a shit memory, which is what the entire podcast is based around. But I do remember some of the extra picks I took in high school. And it was art, music, there was design. And I think there might have been some other stuff as well, but I don't really remember them quite well. So I'll just start off in school. I was all right. I knew what I was doing, but on the same time, I didn't do homework. I was very lazy, no effort behind it. I felt like because I could do it, I then didn't try. And so that's kicked me in the ass later on in life. So <coughs> I'll start with one that did succeed, which was music. Uh, I took that. I knew a little bit of piano, but obviously not a lot. I could just, I knew where the notes were and that's something that I think did fail was with music you could choose to get sort of like a teacher who sort of like focused in on you so you had a music teacher or a drumming teacher or a violin teacher a singing teacher so I opted for piano and you know I was just a little shitbag really if I had a lesson I'd go to it but I didn't really pay much attention or sometimes I'd just skip the class. A really arsehole thing to do, but, you know, kids are arseholes. So when it came to actually doing the music exam at the end of the year, in the practical side, I was quite good. But when I had to do the physical test, like singing the songs, I was all right at doing the singing, but the actual piano playing, I shit out on. But I did come out with a B, which was, you know, you got your A star, A, B. So it was one of my higher grades still. Uh, same with maths. I did really good in maths. Got a B in that as well. Uh, science, I was alright with chemistry and I was good with biology. But physics, that pulled the rest of the grade down. And it was it was a double mark. So if you, if you got a C, you got two C marks, which I ended up getting. Which was, I think, physics was a D, but chemistry and biology were Bs. So that pulled them, the two down and that one up to make them both double Cs. So that's fine. Uh, so yeah, music. I, I enjoyed it. It was a passion, but I never really took it anywhere because I just started playing around. Uh, that also comes into hobbies later on in life, which I'll discuss later. Uh, the next one I took was art. Now, the art teacher was really cool. And I felt like he knew what he was doing. And my mum's quite art inclined. She's very artistic. So I don't feel like I inherited a lot. Like, I can't really draw that well but I can do other crafty things I love doing like stuff on computers 
that was something I wanted to do. Again, that's coming up later in the in the land of trials and tribulations. So with art, you add your directive. You add to make sort of like these big sheets with ideas and boards on and that. But for the final test, it was coming round. Yeah, because you had to make a big piece and like loads of art sheets to explain what you were doing. And it was going round by table by table, person by person, helping them create sort of like what they should do and not give them the answers, but give them very good guidance. And he was very good with that. And I feel like he did half of the classroom, but then something unfortunate happened, which was where his mum passed away. So he had to take time off and, you know, sort a lot of inheritance problems and family and all that stuff. But he only managed to, so he did half of the classroom. It's in no way his fault, but the substitute teacher that came in wasn't an art teacher. So half the class knew what they were doing and the other half were just more or less laid bare. And that's what I felt like happened to me. So I was sat down, looking at all these forms, seeing everyone else working away and the other bits of us are like, oh, well, what do we do? I've not got an idea. Okay, here's a half-baked idea and I don't really know what is needed for certain marks. I don't know what information I need or how to present it, what the pass mark would be, all that jazz. So I feel like that ended up shitting out. And then I think I took design as well. I remember taking design because I really liked the idea of the graphic side of it, which is something I wanted to do later on in life. And it was one of those where you enjoy it and you get a decent mark. And I wanted to pursue it on another side, but it just never came up. Oh, ice cream van. Oh, how cute. Um, that's rude. So with design, it was, we're all on computers and we had to do something along the lines of marketing. You had to make a product and you had to make it bold and interesting for someone to purchase because that was what the design was. So me being a very male oriented class, a lot of it was towards video games. So we're all making video game covers. So we had like PlayStation 2 cases or Xbox cases and we were making the little symbols and doing age ratings and then on the sheets explaining what you were doing and why you were doing it, you had to put all the you know, like the age rating guides and all the symbolisms of what the marks mean. So if there's a skull, it meant that there was murder or if there was like an asterisk and a semicolon uh, and a hashtag mark, that meant that there was foul language in it, all that stuff. Uh, if there was a male and female side, it meant that there might have been sexual sexual stuff in the game so yeah i enjoyed that bit and i feel like i did all right on that as well and then after school we went on to the sixth farm program which is where you do sort of more higher education in the same school but you get to wear your own clothes i don't know if that's the same now but for us it was just felt like you started to get that more progressive side you started becoming more of an adult so when i went to sixth form I felt like I made four choices, but I can only remember three of them. But we'll just see what we remember then. So my first pick was maths, because as I said before, I had a very good uh, maths experience. I, I had a joy for it. I had an affinity towards it. I wasn't in the highest set. I was in the second highest set. And then because everyone else who took maths for sixth form were in the highest set, they already had the teacher Whereas I had a different teacher who taught things differently. So when I went into maths, they were like, right, you should remember 
blah 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 from last year so we're going to expand on that and he's drawing all these symbols on the board and i'm sat there with a completely different base experience than everyone else they're all scribbling away and i'm just sat there like dumbfounded at the walls not knowing what anything was so i started doing really bad at maths and it didn't help that was a bit of a jokester as well so there was a girl we were sat next to who is our friend kirsty and she was good at maths but also really bad at maths i think she might have dyscalculus which is dyslexia but with numbers so she couldn't see numbers very well it doesn't help that she's nearly legally blind as well uh, if you're listening to this kirsty i love you so we spent a lot of time messing around with letters and numbers and that and then my other friend katie who was sat next to me she had a pencil case which had a whale on it but if you press the whale it had a little sound clip in it so i'd make a whale sound you go click and go and that would just go throughout the entire classroom so obviously i loved pissing her off with that so yeah that might have been the uh, downfall of me in maths uh, it didn't help as well that when we started to do other things like mechanics in the maths, and mechanics was just glorified physics. I just did not enjoy that at all, which was a shame because that was the teacher who I had previous years. So while he did teach it in a way that I did like, he was teaching something that I didn't enjoy. And then that was where uh, my wife took maths as well. And that was one of the only classes that we ever had together. And we sat next to each other and the tables were just twos set to two so it was me and her sat together so we just ended up just being more flirty with each other than actually doing mechanics so i might have been the fault for joe's bad maths bye sorry um i also took psychology again something i had a really deep passion for i thoroughly enjoyed it it was interesting and that kept me motivated but my downfall is english mostly towards paragraphs and you know essays and dissertations it was just constant writing and my handwriting's awful and i shit at holding pens if it was typing it might have been better but that was before computers were really globalized and centralized in schools as educational tools so i enjoyed it but i just couldn't do the essay writing because my hands were shit and i wasn't good at writing essays uh then also, I took music, which, again, I had an affinity for, thinking it'd be more like GCSE, but a bit harder. But it was a massive leap. It went from being able to play music to being able to listen and know what the notes were. Like, if they played this extract, you had to know what key it was in and what the time signature was and what notes were played. And it just went a lot more technical. And that sort of pushed me out. So I did the first year, got not great grades and not like not the worst grades but i got bad grades so i thought well tell you what instead of going to like doing all this stuff that i'm not really gonna use for in the future what i want to do is something along those along the sides of like game development or graphic design so i started looking around at a college nearby and i found that they had a game development course so obviously i went to the open day started talking to everyone and I went to the front desk to sort of do like the sign up procedure and they said how, oh, actually that's run by a separate company that uses our, our building. So we can't really offer it. But what we do instead is if you do a fine arts, uh, a fine arts course and then do that for a year in your second year, 
you then can major into graphic design, which can then be a subset of this game development course. So me being the gullible young fool I was, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I'll do a year of this and then I'll I'll major in something I want to do. So I spent the first year and fine arts was absolutely insane. I met some good people, had a great laugh, and I still talk to like a few of them now, still friends with them. But it was, it was difficult. It was very much more focused on the physical art of painting. So, for example, there was a big like you got paint, uh, you got all your papers and you had ink, but you weren't allowed paintbrushes and you weren't allowed to trace standard. But you were given inspiration, like books of everything. So you had to get sticks or broken crayons or you know like really weird mediums. And then cover them with ink and then had to try and draw with them. And that to me wasn't... It, I suppose it is artistic in its creative sense. But it's it's stemming you in what is creativity. You know, you're only creative if you're doing it our way. So I did that and that was alright. And then it started to get into other parts of it as well. Where we did like textiles and so we were doing dresses and like doing uh what's it called like transfers onto shirts but where you do the it's like ink screen you put the screen down you do the ink over then you put a different screen down over the same design when it's dry and you make shirts like that or dresses and patterns and that was quite interesting um there was also another bit which was more of the physical side which i suppose was more design which is where you had to make a project and you had metal work and plastic works and i think i actually did really good at that one i had this brilliant idea they had a plastic ceiling thing like you put your you put something in with plastic and the plastic would melt and form over it and then you could pop the mold out i think it might have been like an inverse mold or whatever so i had an idea they had this lovely green uh this lovely green plastic so i got a couple of bits of wood put them on this belt sander and just you know, like whisk like some little circles add them in various sizes and with them, I did like scoring down the edges like a penny. So it had ridges around, more like a gear, but not harsh teeth. And then on the underneath, I did like a mixture between roots from a tree going down or maybe like veins splaying out, but not reaching the edges. And I did that and I put the green on it, melted down and I popped the wood out and it looked like lily pads. And you could see the bumps in the bottom of it and the ridges coming up. So I did that with all these circles and then I had uh, metal which had shape and bent and uh, put holes in and used rivet guns and riveted. So it looked like an industrial uh, lily pad sculpture and I thought that was absolutely beautiful. That was one of the redeeming points. And then we also did photography but at the same time I started, that was when I started working because my mum was annoyed with me not contributing to the house. So... She got me a part-time job in a bar that was nowhere near where we lived. So I had to travel to the... And they were awful. They would send me the rotor on, like, Friday morning, starting of that Friday. So if you were rotored in on the Friday morning for a shift, you only got it Friday morning and you'd be late. And they'd always kick off at you for being late and not realise that they're the problem because they were a bit arrogant about it. So I had that problem a lot. So... When I'd get a lot of lessons, they'd be like, oh, Tuesday such a time, and I'd be rotated in for work, and I was always, you know, the town that we're in, it always promotes work over learning. So I always focused a bit more on the job 
than on the education. Plus with the education not being that interesting because I started to do photography, which was all right. They had like light boxing and you did negatives and then we had to make pinhole cameras. But why would I want to do that? Because it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I just ended up not going to that class. And I feel like the guy was getting dead arrogant with me. When they saw me in town, they'd try and like have a go at me for not going to his class. And I, I think I tried to explain to him that I'm not interested in it and it's not what I want to do. So I didn't do it, but he was closed-minded about that. So I finished the first year and the second year started and you had to pick your majors. And so I was like, right, I want to do graphic design going into video game development. To which the people turned around and were like, oh, we don't do that. That's a completely separate course. I was like, hang on a minute. I was told this is how I get into it. So I was like, you know what? If you're not going to let me do it and you're giving me these bullshit choices to major in instead, I'm just going to drop out then. See y'all later. Left, never went back. Uh, it was only when I started work at the cinema that one of the other people who worked there called Chico, he was doing the course at the same time I was, but he was doing the course I wanted to do. And he was literally in the room next to me. So I just felt like if I'd went into the wrong room by accident, or even if I'd just known and could have gone in and talked to say, listen, how do I get into this class? But that sort of flew by now, and I don't know if I'll ever go back to that. Uh, again, just another bumps along the way. Um, next, so that was college. Next into work, um, started doing... So I've been there for nearly 10 years, and I think it was about four years into it, they started realising, you know, he's not bad, he's not what he's doing. He wants to progress. So I did some training to be a supervisor. And I went in for an interview. It was four people. It was me, a lad called Jamie, a girl called Charlie, and another lad who was called, I think was it Will? But he worked in projection. So we did all this training. We went in for the interview for the actual job. And Will basically didn't know much of the stuff. So it was down to me, Charlie, and Jamie. And Jamie got the job. But after he got the job, a lot of the supervisors quit. <clears throat> and so we were told, oh, well, you can do the job, and but you're not allowed to wear the shirt to get the education of what the job is, but you're not allowed to wear the shirt, and we're not going to pay you the extra. So I was like, uh, no, thank you. And then another couple of years passed, and they had these nominated team members who would do extra. They had codes so they could do refunds and sort till problems. And again, it was one of those where it was marketed as extra training for when you want to apply for the job. So I thought, well, tell you what, I'll get some of that under my belt. I did the extra training, felt really good at it. Job came up. Um, but at that time, I think the lad Jamie was being messed around again by one of the managers. And so it was, I think he'd got a job where it was secondment. So it wasn't a permanent position. So by the time this job went up, it was between him and no one else wanted to apply for the job because we all believe that's Jamie's job. But one other person went in for an interview and he got the job. And when he got the job, they turned around to Jamie and told him, if you want to keep doing the job but not get paid for it, you know, we're going to let you. I think he told him to jog on. But then I think he just got another job again because another supervisor left and was like, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to go down to being a normal team member. And so Jamie got his job because he had, you know, the prerequisite skills for it. Uh, and then time went by and one of them left again. And instead of doing an interview, we had an external applicant coming because their site was closing down. 
and then another one. And then finally, I think another position came up, but they wanted to give it to someone else who'd been there for a long time and not given, been given a chance. So he started doing the job and I felt like he was all right at it, but I didn't see all the, you know, the back room stuff and all that. The damages sheet were pretty off. He'd do paperwork quite wrong often. So it got to the point where he was on a lot of disciplinaries and it was between stepping down or getting fired. So he stepped down and that opened the way into me. So I did the training for about a year. Again, not being paid because I'm learning the job. So I wasn't wearing the blue shirt, but I was basically a supervisor. And then after the year, I got all signed off. I got my shirt and I got to do the job and I got paid for it. And that was all fine for about a year until lots of things started to change in the company where we went through a mixture of redundancies. So a lot of people lost, lost the jobs. And straight after the redundancy was sort of a, a transition of jobs. So the titles were all changed. So if you were a team, so it used to be multifunctionals were the normal team members and now they were just called team members. And the supervisors then got rebranded as team leaders. The managers became cinema managers and the GMs became OGMs or something like that. So a general manager became an operations general manager. But with every shift sideways from supervisor upwards was a shift sideways and a little bit of a step up. So I was signed off to supervisor level, but all the other supervisors had been doing management training because they'd been there for so long. So when it came to transitioning over to these new jobs, they all had to re-interview and do assessment scores and all that to make sure they could do the job. So they all went from uh, supervisors to team leaders and they had to do more management work. Managers had to do the same. Uh, we ended up losing... One person had to step down to be a team leader from a manager and another person just went to a different site and I think some other person just left. Um, but they let me transition over, but I didn't take the interview. I wasn't a signed off team. What was it called? I wasn't a team a team leader. I was a TMBM, which was a team member B more. So I was basically a mixture between a red shirt at the bottom level and a blue shirt at the next level. So I was a purple shirt. And while I was doing that, I still got paid. Like I got paid the extra bump for doing the extra job, but I didn't have the abilities to do the full job whereas they had like safe stuff or like front door stuff they had keys to the building so i wasn't able to do any of that because i wasn't signed off as that trained so i still got paid the level but didn't have to do the work so for a while actually that was a bit cheeky i got i got uh some beneficial treatment from that but then these had to nip that in the butt by I don't know why. I think it was just like there were too many. Some sites had a lot of TMBMs. So you had to do a transition bit online. But it was basically you had to do all of the team leader workbooks, which there were thousands. Not thousands, but there were like nearly a hundred of them. And you had to have them all done by a certain time while still doing the job at five days a week at 35 hours, as well as then having a life afterwards. But you weren't allowed to do any of the stuff in work because you were expected to work. So you had to do all of these workbooks at home. So I did the workbooks. At, like I tried. I had a look. But I ended up not doing any of them. Because after you'd been work all day and you finally come home and relax. You didn't want to then just put your head 
back into your computer and doing all these workbooks about work again. So I ended up not doing that. And it turns out no one across the site ended up doing any of them either. So everyone who was a TMBM got knocked back down to team member. But to be honest, I felt like that was quite beneficial because the job started getting harder. Some people started leaving and there were some... Because they'd done such a transition, all the bigger bosses were then doing tours of the areas and doing site checks and they were becoming a bit more thick and fast. So... A lot of the jobs I was given were night shifts, so you could either do a nine till four, uh, a nine till half four, or a half four till like when you've closed the building. And because I said, "Oh, my availability is anything," I was constantly given the night shifts, which is a pain in the ass because my wife's a teacher, so she'd be up at six in the morning, out the door by about half seven eight, and then she'd only come home at about. You know, between four and five, she'd be home. But because I was on the night shifts, I left the house at about half three. And I only got home, like, after midnight, sometimes one or two in the morning. But by that time, because Joe had to get up so early, she was already asleep. And because I'd gone to bed so late, when she woke up, I was still asleep. I think it was October was one of the worst months for me where I didn't see her for... Like, the only time I saw her was when she was asleep at night when I came in. And I didn't see her. Maybe, whatever. Like, the other way around's better to describe it. Out of the entire month, I only ever actually got to spend time with her about four or five times. And that was either a full day together on a weekend, which was very rare, or half a day. So, like, if I managed to, if I was on, like, a Thursday open instead of a Thursday close, I saw her Thursday when I got home at about, what, half five, six o'clock? And when she was home, so we got to spend one afternoon together then. Or maybe on a weekend, if I was doing the clothes, I'd see her in the morning. But because I was doing all these clothes, I would only wake up at like 10 o'clock. So I'd wake up at 10 or 11 and then I'd go downstairs and there's the wife. We'd spend about three hours together and then there we go, I'm getting ready to work. So yeah, that really killed me in. And uh, November, yeah, November hurt me a lot because that was when her birthday is and our... Like one of our anniversaries as well. Uh, the one where we first started dating, not when we got married. And so I wanted to do something great for her. So I booked the time off. But on her birthday was the day the big bosses were doing the tour. So I was basically told, actually, you're not having that day off. You have to work. And I was more or less in for the entire day. So on my wife's birthday, I didn't get to see her at all. And it was at that point I thought, you know what, this job isn't worth it anymore the extra money isn't worth the hassle i'm going through because i uh, i don't know how to explain it i don't think i started i don't think i had any depression but talking to wife she said that i was going through low mood but if it continued it probably would have spiraled into actual depression it got to the point where i woke up anything that gave me joy i didn't do anymore i didn't play games didn't watch films didn't watch tv barely ate i just slept woke up and when I was downstairs, I wouldn't even watch TV. I'd just be sat in silence and then like go back to sleep again. And then wake up, go to work, do all this stuff in work, come home. Sort of like try and wind down after work, listen to YouTube videos. Just sat there in the dark. Sometimes not even watching. Just sat there. So yeah, that was a bad time. I was going through some dark things then. We came up with a fix for it though. Which was, if I got to work at about 10 to 4... Joe would be finished by four o'clock and I'd call her for the half an hour 
before I started work. So that really helped us and that got me out of it. And so I started feeling a bit more confident. I started getting not as many clothes, spending more time with her. And we went to, like we had some holidays and that. So it was really nice. And then it came into December, around Christmas, and it just all spiralled again. And it got to the point where I was just going to not come in. I was just going to quit. I didn't want it anymore at all. But I pushed through it one last time. And then sort of in the January onwards was when I was demoted because I'd not done the workbooks and the job was being, you know, basically demolished. There was no team member be more. It was either you're a team leader or you're not. And so I just stepped down. I didn't do it. I decided I didn't want it. And everyone was dead sympathetic or like they were upset or they were angry for me. But I was so thankful because when I stepped back down and all this responsibility was off and all these more possibility for shifts. So as a team member, I was more likely to get a 12.6 or a four half nine or like a nine four nine fives because I'm very proficient at making popcorn. I didn't get to do that for two years, but then I got to go back into it and do more training of people and got more popping shifts, which were all open shifts. So I got the chance to be able to be at home more with my wife. And that's just spiked my mood right up high. So yeah, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. And I would have loved it if it had not changed. But, you know, change is natural. Change is nature. Best thing to do is just take it on the chin and carry on with it. Uh, right, so I've got one more thing to talk about then. Uh, to do with the music aspect is I did start two bands as well. Uh, one band was in school, which we did with music and going on into sixth form. And it was me and my friend Sko, who uh, he's a busker now and he's doing a lot of singing. He's come on so well. I am proper proud of him for that. So if you listen, Sko, you know, great on you, mate. I'm proper proud of you. And my other friend Darwin, who uh, Sko played the drums, Darwin played the guitar and I was the vocals. We had another lad called Dennis who played bass. And together we were a band called Igneous. I don't know if there's any stuff of us online. I'd have to check that out. But, you know, we just had a lot of fun. We did, like, Fallout Boy and Blink-182, Foo Fighters, um, a lot of Green Day. Like, all that kind of teenage grunge stuff or teenage emo stuff. Um, and then after that, the lad Dennis stopped with us because we did a lot of school concerts, but he didn't like doing it anymore. So after that, it was just me, Sko and Darwin. And we started renting out a pub nearby and we'd just start practicing and like making our own songs up upstairs and basically just playing around, having fun, not even playing instruments, just hanging out. And with that, we became the band upstairs, which was one of the people who worked there recognised us from school. And she said, oh, are you that band upstairs? Light bulbs went off and we're like, oh, the band upstairs. That's a great band name. So we took that. And um, yeah, things just sort of like spiralled out. We just ended up not being interested in it anymore. We hung up at pubs and drinking or we were at friends' house playing games instead. Um, work and life got in the way. And then I also started another band uh, when I was in work. That was a girl called Holly who played the drums. And I was learning the bass at the time. So I was the bassist. We had a lad called... Uh, Chico, the one who did games, he was the vocals. And then we had two guitarists called uh, Andy and Cy, which I called Beef and Cyborg. And they were two guitarists and they were 
amazing guitarists and Chico was really good at singing like hymn songs or Michael Jackson. Uh, Holly was great at the drums and I was all right at bass. I I was only just learning, but luckily enough, a lot of the songs we were playing was very easy to do on the bass. But I think we only played like maybe what we were together, maybe 10, 15 times and the place where we were renting out ended up closing. And we're like, oh, we'll have to find somewhere else. And we never did. So yeah, those are all the things that we've, um, that I've had a, a dive in in my life and things that I've never really worked out for me. But you know what? You carry on. You find things that you love and you just dive into them instead. So I worked at my relationship with my wife. So I'm married. Um, she worked at her job and she got us the house. I worked at understanding the legal system for the house. You know, like learning about the contracts and everything. So I really helped us with that. Um, and then I started doing this podcast and I feel like this is actually working out really well. I don't know if we're ever going to go anywhere with it, but it's more fun and it doesn't have to go anywhere. So thanks for Alex. Thanks for, you know, wanting to do this because he'd always wanted to do a podcast. He was always asking if I was interested and I was, but the podcasts he listened to were like film ones or nerd ones. And ones I listened to were more like Dungeons and Dragons playthroughs where like they make stories while they're playing. So I wanted to go into that first of all. So I had loads of ideas which, you know, if things ever pan out, I might bring out. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil any secrets here. But yeah, I had a few ideas. We actually started doing recordings about twice, but that was before I had a proper microphone and that was before I knew really audio editing and I didn't really know what I was doing. But when doing the podcast now, I've learned so much and never realised how easy it was. So with that, um, that's helped this. And hopefully this will snowball into other things. Uh, I am wanting to go into YouTube because I did want to start a YouTube with my brother. But his job started getting a bit more because he works where I am and he started doing all the shifts and he's going through a lot of progression. So it's not really feasible to do it with him anymore. And I can't really do it with Alex because of the timings and he's got a wee lad. So I don't know if we'd ever go into YouTube together. But, you know, we could do YouTube, like put the podcast on YouTube and every now and again we could play games together. Or I could do it more solo and do YouTube stuff on my own on the same channel. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Right. I suppose that's all then. Thanks for listening, guys, and hopefully next time we'll have an actual episode. Love you all. Bye.